0: This is Crossroads with Clayton King.
1: None of us is worthy, but all of us are worth it. Jesus would not have died on the cross in your place and my place if we were not worth His blood He shed for us.
0: All of us have a past. We all have a story of both the good and the bad things that have happened to us. Of course, one of the major influences in our lives is our family. But what if we don't know who our real family is? On today's Crossroads with Clayton King, we'll hear how God used adoption as a powerful gift of destiny in Clayton's life.
1: There was always a curiosity for me to know about my biological family, but I wanna make this really clear, it's different for everybody who's adopted. And if you know people who were adopted, if you know 10 people who were adopted, they've probably got 11 different opinions about their biological family. Some adopted kids could care less. They don't really want to meet their mom and dad. Some adopted kids feel like they have to meet their parents to have some closure. Some, kind of like me, are just kind of like, well, it might be nice, I mean, I don't really, want to that, that bad, but if it ever happens, I think it will really be enlightening to me. So for me, finding my biological family was not a deep need that I had to like somehow have happen in my life. It was more like a curiosity. It wasn't a big gaping hole that needed to be filled, it was more like a jigsaw puzzle. It was like there was a piece missing, and if it ever worked out, I thought it would be kind of neat to find out who my biological family was. But growing up with my mom and my dad, they were such great parents that I never really wanted to meet my biological family because I had a family. Now my parents were not perfect, they were, they were sinners. So I, I didn't have a perfect family. But I had a great mom and a great dad. My dad taught me how to play sports. He taught me how to change oil in a car. He taught me how to bush hog. If you don't know what bush hogging is, ask a country boy or a country girl. There's plenty of them here, right? My dad taught me how to hunt. He taught me how to fish. He taught me how to read the Bible. My dad was my Sunday school teacher as a kid. And so for me, I didn't have this big need, but I always had a curiosity. I wanna show a scripture to you. It's gonna be up on the screens. These three verses are three of my favorite in the whole Bible. It comes from Psalm 68, verses four through six. I wanna read this to you because this is really sort of the, the verse that describes my story. But I hope that tonight before I'm done sharing my story with you, that some of you who either have never met your dad or you know your dad but you just don't like your dad or you know your dad that your dad hurt you or you know your dad but you don't know how to love your dad because your dad never knew how to love you. When we start talking about fathers, we get into some deep soul stuff. And if you really dig deep into it, you start talking about father wounds So much of who we are and who we are becoming, I'm 46, I'm still becoming a man, I'm not done growing. I will continue to be transformed by the Holy Spirit until Jesus calls me home. And I want you to know that you need to, and if you haven't already done this, hear me, as a pastor and as a a man with a shepherd's heart who loves you and cares for you, deal with your daddy issues, be honest about them. Journal about them, talk to a friend about them, see a counselor, pray with a pastor, because nobody has a perfect father in the flesh, but we can all have a perfect heavenly father in our hearts. And that's why, that's why this passage of scripture has meant so much to me over the years and even more now. Psalm 68, four through six, sing to God. Sing in praise of his name extol him who rides on the clouds, rejoice before him. His name is the Lord, and he is a father to the fatherless. He is a defender of widows. God is in his holy dwelling, and God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Our God is a father to the fatherless, and he sets the lonely in families. In 2010, I called my mom. I just preached for a friend of mine at a church in Charlotte. A lot of y'all probably go to that church, and I was in the airport flying to Toronto, Canada that day after I preached, and I called my mom. And I talked to her at four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. At five o'clock, I got on a plane. It's around seven o'clock, I landed in Toronto and got the message that my mom had dropped dead of a heart attack from the time I hung up the phone speaking to her until the time I landed. 18 months later, after taking care of my um, terminally ill father, my dad died. And I preached my dad's funeral on Father's Day, 2012. I lost um, nine family members, 10 family members technically over the course of 12 years. I went through a deep, dark depression. And if any of you have ever struggled with depression or anxiety, you've probably had well-meaning Christians tell you things like you should just pray more, you should read more of the Bible, uh, you should pray and fast, you should listen to more worship music. And I just want you to know, I tried all of that and none of that worked. And so if you know a friend that's ever gone through depression or that is depressed right now, um, sometimes the best thing you can say is nothing. Just be there with them, listen to them when they talk to you about how they feel, tell them you love them, put your arm around them and just be there beside them. After a few years, the depression lifted and God healed me and things began to look up and things got better. But after my dad died, I began to have this this curiosity peak again in my life. I really wanted to know about my family. I'm gonna fast forward now. So my mom and dad have passed away. I have one adopted brother. I saw him yesterday. He lives in Anderson. We're not biological brothers, but this curiosity began to spin again. And all these people, every time I would preach, people would say, hey, you should find your family. You should go to ancestry.com and you can click a link and you can put in your credit card and they'll send you this packet and you can spit in a cup and send it off. And I'm like, this sounds really weird. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I just think if there are tens of millions of people who have spit in cups and sent it to Ancestry.com, how do I know that's not the Illuminati that owns that stuff? And they're keeping a database of all our DNA. And the next thing you know, Terminator happens. <laughs> or The Walking Dead. So I was very reluctant to do it. And then on Christmas Day, this past, this past year, We had a couple of hours, my wife and I and our kids were home, and we had a couple of hours um, in between, like opening gifts and a bunch of our friends were gonna come over that afternoon and we're gonna eat. And I felt the Holy Spirit, by the way, um, the Holy Spirit is real. He's not the weird uncle in the Trinity, you can love him, you can trust him, you can know him, you can be filled by him. You can also hear him speak. I believe in the infallibility of the scripture, but I don't believe the Holy Spirit is gagged and silent. I believe He speaks. And He spoke to me on Christmas Day. And He said, Clayton, go in your office and wait on me. I was like, All right, Lord. So I went to my office and I sat down at my desk, my study, and I just sat there. And I was like, Okay, um, Holy Spirit, I'm waiting on you. And the Holy Spirit said, Write down your prayers. So I got out a piece of paper uh, on a notebook and I began to write some prayers and then the Holy Spirit said, you realize I've answered every prayer you've ever prayed if you've prayed them consistently. And I began to argue with the Holy Spirit. Y'all know how stupid that is, cause y'all do that too. You argue with God and God's like, you silly rabbit. Kicks are for tricks. You just don't even know what you're doing. And, and And I'm arguing. I'm like, no, I can think of things you have not answered in my life. And the Holy Spirit said that's because you quit praying for them. I believe that our God is a good God. I believe Jesus promised us in John 10, 10 abundant life. I believe that God wants to bless us with his presence, with his spirit, with his love. And, and sometimes I have a hard time believing that God really wants to do anything good for me because I feel like I don't deserve it. And you know what? I don't deserve it. Neither do you. None of us is worthy, but all of us are worth it. Can I say it again? None of us are worthy, but all of us are worth it. Jesus would not have died on the cross in your place and my place, if we were not worth his blood he shed for us. So I'm having this conversation with the Holy Spirit and I begin to write down these prayers and I wrote down a long list. I prayed that God would give us 5,000 students at Crossroads Summer Camp. We didn't get 5,000, we got 5,049. First time we've ever broken 5,000 in 24 years of camp. I prayed we'd have over 2,000 kids at our winter conference. We had 2,020 something. I prayed that God would confirm a call on my son's life. My son, six months later, goes to Israel with our church at New Spring, comes back, walks into the kitchen, tells my wife and I over a three hour period of time the five different places in Israel where the Holy Spirit met with him, spoke to him, and at the end of a three hour conference, conversation, looks at my wife and I and says, so what I want to tell y'all is, you've probably known this, but I'm telling you, God confirmed that I am called to preach the gospel and teach the Bible for the rest of my life. I'm not going to pursue sports broadcasting. I want to learn from the two of you. Can I please be your apprentice? Will you please disciple me? I want to learn how you guys do ministry. These are all the things that God told me to pray for on Christmas Day. And on that list, I wrote down, I want to find my family in 2019. And when I wrote it down, it was, as, it was like a chasm inside my soul opened up and I felt the Lord say to me, I heard the Spirit of God say to me, I'm already preparing a way. So in March, I was in Charleston, South Carolina with my lovely wife. One of our church has 14 campuses and we have a campus in Charleston. I wasn't preaching that day, but we had gone to Charleston so that my wife and I could host our Sunday gatherings at our New Spring Charleston campus. And on Saturday night, I got really sick, severe pain. I woke my wife up at 4 a.m. I said, you you need to take me to the emergency room. I am going to die. Or get me a knife so I can cut my stomach open and let this alien crawl out so I can choke him to death. Because something is murdering me. She drove me to Roper St. Francis Hospital. Remember that, that's essential to the story. They took me in, they took out my gallbladder when I woke up, I was singing, they've got this on video, I was singing Need to Breathe at the top of my lungs. Those guys are from South Carolina, by the way. Just want you to know, my favorite band besides YouTube, YouTube, greatest band of all time, better than the Rolling Stones, better than the Beatles, better than Led Zeppelin better than Chris Tomlin. I'm just gonna say it, you too. Greatest band of all time, fight me! Don't at me, because I won't respond. So I get out of surgery, the surgeon comes in, he's like, hey, I saved your life, your gallbladder was septic, you were gonna die. You also had a hernia. I repaired that, I'm like, oh really? How long have I had a hernia? Did I do it like lifting weights or something? He goes, no, you, you were born with a massive hernia. And I'm like, I've had a hernia my whole life? He said, yeah. I was like, oh, sweet, okay. So, that's in March. Roper St. Francis Hospital, Charleston, South Carolina. The next week, I'm walking through the halls at my church, bumping into a friend of mine. He goes, hey, his name is Ken Wilson. He works at the church and he said, I know you're looking for your biological family. My wife, Meg, will find them for you. I said, really? He said, yes, you trust me, right? I'm like, yeah, I trust you. You're one of my good friends. Now Meg, his wife, is 90 pounds, five foot something, diminutive, very sweet, very very like quiet. And Ken looks at me and goes, my wife is like the FBI. She's a ninja. She'll find your family. They cannot hide from her. I'm like, "You, you got me. Let's do it. So I order my DNA kit, I spit in the vial, screw the top on, mail it off. A couple of weeks later, I get my results back. I set up an account at ancestry.com on my, do you love how I did that? I did my little laptop right there. That shows it of my generation, because my generation, I'm doing this. Y'all are like, no, 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 no. So anyway, and I do it too. So I set up my, I set up my account. This is the week after my uh, gallbladder, a week or two after my gallbladder episode at Roper St. Francis Hospital and Meg says to me, if you'll give me access to your account, I'll find your family. I'm really good at this. Well, my wife and I were about to take a two-month sabbatical. I've never had a sabbatical in 33 years of ministry. I was supposed to take one in 2016, but some things happened and I ended up becoming a pastor uh, along with a team of pastors at my church, and so I didn't get the sabbatical I was supposed to take, and so I would plan to take my wife to Spain and Italy. Boys. Remember Clayton King telling you this. Uncle Clayton's got a word for you. You think that right now, the way to win a woman's heart is to flex. Can I tell you the way to keep a woman's heart? Have personal hygiene. Put some product in your hair bathe regularly, and when you get married, spend some of that hard-earned cash, and take her out so she can get dressed up. And if it takes 20 years, take your wife to Italy. You're welcome, okay. So my wife and I, some of y'all are like, bruh, I don't even have a girlfriend. You will. You will, because we serve a miracle-working, way-making God. You will. Back to the story. So I give Meg Wilson access to my Ancestry.com file, which the Illuminati are gonna use to connect me. To anybody else that has my DNA, DNA is strong. DNA, though I do not understand it, stands for deoxyribonucleic acid. Did some of y'all know that? Aren't you impressed? So, my wife and I get on a plane, we go to Spain, we go to Italy. The day that we're coming home from Italy, Como Lake to be exact, it's the most beautiful, I've been to 50 countries. Como Lake is the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my life. It sits at the border of the Swiss Alps and the Italian Alps. George Clooney has a house there. Ooh. Okay, so (laughs) we're going to the airport and I get an email from Meg Wilson and she says, I've got some good news for you. I found your family. And when you get home, I'll have everything ready for you. And, And so, I began to connect with family members, and on August the 10th, my wife and my two boys and I drove to Conway, South Carolina, which is just up the road from Myrtle Beach. Some of y'all know where it's at, and um, we pulled into the parking lot of a little church called Paulie's Swamp Baptist Church. Paulie's Swamp Baptist Church. And, Right across the, the road from that little church was my dad's grave. He struggled. He struggled with alcohol. Uh, he had uh, a terrible disease as, as a child. He had tuberculosis as a child. He, he struggled with, with, uh, with drugs, uh, but he was a good man, and he, and he was a Christian. As a matter of fact, I have his Bible um, that one of my family members gave to me, and I stood there at my dad's grave, and the hope of the gospel, Really spoke to my heart that if my dad was truly saved, and I believe he was from what my family told me, I will one day get to meet uh, my earthly father, be united with my adoptive father, and my heavenly father all at the same time. I got three dads, and they're all waiting on me, and I can't wait to meet them. So, I walk in, my wife and my boys and I, we got there a little bit late because I got the times mixed up, and we walk into this little fellowship hall, this little church, and I know that inside the door are like 35 of my family members, and I've never met any of them, and I was so excited. I could barely stand it, And, and my cousin Mark met me at the door, and his sister, they were there, and I opened up the door, and there they all are, and I just looked, and I was like, ah! just tried to hug all of them at once, but they just would not fit. So I just start
0: crying and laughing. We'll get back to Clayton in just a minute. But first, I'd like to let you know about our ministry. Our mission at Clayton King Ministries is to preach the gospel and make disciples. We serve God's kingdom by providing exceptional events like Crossroads Summer Camp, which has been providing a life-changing experience for students since 1996. We create printed, video, and audio ministry resources available through our website, and we provide outreach opportunities through Crossroads missions and trips. Get plugged in at ClaytonKing.com. All of these resources and this radio program are made possible by people like you who go above and beyond to help us build a deep faith in the lives of thousands of young people around the world. So remember us in your personal prayer time. And when you visit our website, claytonking.com, please consider helping us financially. Your prayers and financial support mean everything to us. Again, our web address is claytonking.com.
1: I don't know what this message is gonna do for you, I hope if it doesn't do anything else, it'll at least do this. It'll show you that you have a heavenly father that that cares about the details of your life. And your earthly father is not perfect. Don't expect him to be, but your heavenly father can fill in all the gaps. But I can't end the message without telling you this. Um, Found out that in 1990, I attended uh, a prom with a lovely young lady who was my third cousin. And I did not know that. And I know what y'all are wondering, did you kiss her? (laughs) No. I did not. Thank you, Jesus. I did not kiss my cousin (laughs) at the prom in 1990. (laughs) When Lincoln emancipated slaves, it wasn't like those who had just been rescued from the evil and the sin of slavery could just all of a sudden go get a job somewhere. So many ended up staying where they had been raised because at least they had a house and a place to live. And there was an older African-American man named Plint Rogers and he was half blind, an emancipated slave, but he had a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ and every morning apparently, old Plint Rogers would stumble out to this old uh, big oak tree on the edge of one of the fields and he would pray out loud and you could hear him pray all over the the farm. My little, great-great-grandfather, Hezekiah, who at the time was like maybe 10 years old, he, he got the bright idea that he was gonna play a joke on Plint Rogers, so he goes out to the tree one morning before he got there to pray, climbed up in the top of the tree, decided he was gonna answer Plint Rogers like he was God. <laughs> True story. Plint Rogers apparently had the gift of spiritual discernment, so my great great grandfather is up in the top of the tree about to answer Plint while he's praying to try to convince him he's God. And when Plint Rogers opened up his mouth to pray, he began to pray for my great-great-grandfather, that the Holy Spirit would convict him of his sin and that he would repent and give his life to Jesus and become a Christian. And kid you not, in the top of that tree, my great-great-grandfather, Hezekiah Furman Martin, opened his heart up to Jesus and gave his life to Christ and was saved. And not only was he saved, he was a pastor in churches in North Carolina and Virginia and he was on the board of trustees of the Virginia Baptist Children's Orphanage. I'm just telling you all of these things because it's part of my story and it's part of who I am and I'm okay with whatever I find out because my history doesn't define me. My heavenly Father loves me and because I'm loved by my heavenly Father and the same is true for you, I wanna tell you, you've got no one to impress and nothing to prove because you are fully known and fully loved. It's complicated when you start talking about your family. It's complicated when you start talking about your hurts. It's complicated when you start reliving the things in your life that didn't go the way you had hoped. But I'm gonna tell you something that's more powerful than your complicated history is God's destiny for you. And that's my heart for every one of you, that you'll step into that destiny, and you'll let your Father's love be your identity.
0: There is no getting around the fact that life is complicated. But God does have a destiny for you, and we would love to walk with you through the journey of discovering it, please reach out to us at ClaytonKing.com. And if you would like to hear this program again, send it to a friend or explore all the other resources we have for your spiritual journey with Jesus, check us out at ClaytonKing.com.